Hey, this is John, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org forward slash young adults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Wins. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small mem- member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and its bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we will curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring bring forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go. We should have said thanks be to God and then dang, that was heavy. Y'all, my name is Kevin. Uh, I serve here as one of our pastors uh, here at Mosaic, pastor of biblical formation. That's basically a new vibey way of saying discipleship pastor. Um, I get to oversee like our Bible study that happens during the week and uh, covenant partnership, uh, cool things that happen uh, in our church that I love being a part of. I also get the luxury uh, of having a desk that is right next to uh, yours truly, Cesar Contreras. Uh, So I get to sit by him every day and he talks about the same few things every day, right? So he's either talking about Jesus, he's either talking about Rachel, he's either talking about how he wished he was as tall as me, uh, and then uh, he might be talking about you guys. He loves to talk about uh, young adults. Um, and his heart for you guys and uh, how genuine you, are, you guys are and how much you encourage him. And so uh, I just love uh, that I get to serve with Caesar, my brother, um, and uh, just be a part of what God's doing here among you guys. It's really cool. Uh, so yeah, we're in James chapter three, uh, over halfway through the book or at halfway through the book. Uh, we're talking about living out our faith. So if you were here last time, uh, we talked about faith without works is... Dead. Okay, so we want a faith that works, that evidences itself uh, in our lives. And so James is going to jump into that. He's going to look, okay, what is faith that shows itself look like? And he's going to go into one of the, the biggest facets that's connected to our faith. It's the way that we show our words, our words. So I want to pray. Um, and I've I don't think I've ever felt as heavy as I do it. Entering, man, just the way that Josh read that passage is so beautiful, man. Just verse one hit me in a way that it never has before. I'm just like, God, I'm about to go and do what you're telling me that I should not do. And so I wanna pray one for myself, but just pray for yourself as well. This passage is not just for uh, teachers. This is for all of us. And I'll talk about that here in a moment. So take a moment, pray over your own heart. Uh, You're coming in after a long day of doing whatever you did today, uh, you're probably tired and uh, it can be hard to sit and listen for a, a short amount of time. And so ask that God would open your eyes to behold wonderful things in his word. He would speak to you and move uh, in you in light of what you're needing from him tonight. And then I'll pray over all of us. So take a moment, you pray. 
Now pray over all of us. Father, as we just sang, God, the breath in our lungs is yours. All the air that we take in and breathe out are gifts from you. The ability to speak is a gift from you. Words matter. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see that tonight that because you've made us in your image, you, a speaking God, who spoke the universe into being, made us in your image, in your likeness. God, we are speaking people. And there is power of life and death in the tongue. And so God, come do a work in us for your glory, that we would be your image bearers, that we would speak like you, that we would speak life and light and freedom and love into a world that's filled with darkness and death and bondage. God, may we be your children and live, live as such. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Whew, heavy. Uh, so in a little over a month, uh, we will, in my home, start, uh, it's probably like our, this is probably our third year uh, tradition where as it gets close to Christmas time and winter time, we just moved from Georgia last August. Um, so we have kind of like fake winters here, I know. But as it gets like a little bit cooler, uh, we uh, start the Harry Potter series and we will watch it over the course of December. Uh, and so, um, man, I, there's, a, there's a lot of things I love about Harry Potter. There's so many good gospel themes. Uh, if you don't know what those are, ask my man, Jason Ruiz, he was here just a moment ago. It man's a beast at um, Harry Potter. Uh, but one of the things that I love, like every time as I'm watching the movies, is like, man, I would, I wish that as they're doing like the Wingardium Leviosa, like I wish that my words could like accomplish things like that. Like I wish that I could like say something over something, and bam, like it's done, right? Like I think about my man, like Jeff Kareen over here is like a pro golfer, right? If he just like hits a golf ball and then like holy yo golfo, and then that like goes in like hole in one, like easy, right? Like. I wish that I could do like cool things like that. I just say it and boom. Like I wish I could like look at my milk and be like chocolate milko and then it turns into chocolate milk, right? Like I just wish that like my words had power to accomplish whatever I wanted to accomplish uh, with them at any time. I don't know, like maybe you have your own things. And, uh, but man, even though our words can't do things like that, James wants you and me to know that your words do have power. Your words do matter. Your words are not flippant. Every single word that comes from your mouth matters. And my prayer for us, as I've been praying for myself and for you coming into tonight, is that the weight of that truth will be pressed down deep into your heart tonight. And that we would, in an increasing way, by God's grace, leave tonight desiring to talk like our dad, to speak like our dad, to image him forth. And that's James' heart for us, that as we have faith in the heavenly father who speaks life and light and love, as we just sang, that's who our faith is in, that our faith would evidence itself in our words, that we would speak light, life and love. Not just here at Young Adults on Thursdays, but always there would be a consistency of our words. 
So that's where James is taking us uh, tonight. Man, words matter. Words are all around us. Like, think about it. We think words, we speak words, we sing words. Like, we think words, like words are all around us. We read words, like words are around us all the time. Listen to this. We speak on average about um, 16,000 words per day. Whoo, that's a lot of words. Per year, we speak about 5,840,000 words. In your lifetime, on average, average person, will speak 379,600,000 words. We spend a fifth of our lives, 20% of our lives speaking. If you took just the words you say in a day, you could fill one book worth 50 pages. If you took all the words that you spoke in a year, you could fill 132 books with 200 pages each. Just over this past year, you have 132 books in your library of words. And each and every one of them matters. Each and every one of them matters. We are talkers. So let's go ahead and jump in and, and get the weight of this truth that James wants us to see. So he says this in verse one, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. My brothers in original language is adelphos. It is um, a, a term communicating like family. Like he would be like, if he was writing today in our translation, he would be like, not many of you should become teachers, fam. Uh, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. So the instruction there is not many of you should teach, which is a good word for our day because we live in an influencer day where it's really easy to wanna to be an influential person, to communicate our opinion for everyone to see. So whether it's like on YouTube channel, on your Twitter account, um, or whatever it is now, X, I don't have that anymore, but it's your Facebook account, whatever. Like we want to be a, a, an influential people. And James is saying, be careful of wanting to stand behind God's word and opinionate it to other people for a couple of reasons. One, because those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Like there's a sense in which it's not just teachers that will be judged, but we all will be judged for all the words that we say. Matthew chapter 12, listen to this, verse 36. I tell you, Jesus says this, on the day of judgment, people will give account, guys, listen to this, for every careless word they speak, Like, let that sit for just a moment. You will, and I will, before the Lord, give an account for every careless word we speak. But then the Bible raises the, and elevates the strictness for teachers. Listen to Romans chapter two, verse 21 through 22. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? Right, so he's calling out teachers of having to be consistent. So one, teachers are judged with greater strictness, but also we stumble in many ways. We, we struggle with our words, is what he's saying. And the one who doesn't struggle, the one who doesn't stumble is Perfect, right? So the word perfect there is not just like they like kind of meet and check off the, the list of God's law, but they are a holistic person, that they're a consistent person. That's what it means when the Bible says like, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. It's saying be a whole person. 
Don't be a divided person. Like the psalmist says, unite my heart to fear your name. It's saying, may my heart not be at one moment fearing God and in another, another moment rebelling against God. That all of me is for all of you. But what James is gonna do is like, he's not gonna say, okay, like you might say like, okay, cool. Well, like, well, I just won't be a teacher. Well, then I'm free. <laughs> but he's gonna unpack the weight of our words. And as he does so, he's gonna embed in there this phrase in light of how we struggle with our words. He's gonna say, brothers or Adelphos fam, this ought not to be so. Verse 10. This is for all of us. Words matter, not just for me, they matter extra for me, but for all of us in this room. So how so? He's gonna continue to unpack. Uh, follow with me. Um, he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Verse three, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So he's gonna give two, my wife's already laughing. I'm about, I'm about to go there. I'm about to explain it. Okay, um, she's scared. All right, so, uh, James gives us two visuals as to the weight of our words, okay? So before I unpack the first visual, which is like this horse, this bit and bridle, confession, okay? Six years ago, I taught this passage. I did not grow up rural or farmy or horsey, whatever. I did not, I grew up like in the cities. I listened to hip hop. Like I did not, I was not around horses. Like unless I went to the fair and I just like, that's them over there. I'm gonna do the fair. So like I just wasn't around horses, okay? So I read this passage and I just didn't do the work of like deep study. Like I just assumed, right? And so I read this and I'm like, okay, cool. So like if we put bits into the mouths and this is the way I pronounce it, okay? Like, so he's able also to brittle, his whole body, so I, I said brittle, that's the way I pronounced it. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So I'm like, okay, so we have brittle and we have bits. Oh, I've had brittle before. Like I've been to the, the state fair, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> peanut butter brittle. Okay, so we've, I've had peanut butter brittle, peppermint brittle. I love these, okay? So I guess they would take a bit of the brittle and they would place it in the, in the mouth of a horse and the horse would do what you wanted to do. So like in front of my whole student ministry, I'm preaching this, guys, I'm like, guys, like I'm like yelling this, like as, as I typically sometimes, I'm like, guys, they took a bit of brittle, peanut butter, they would put it in the mouth of the horse and the horse would do what they wanted to do, right? And, I, and then afterwards, I get, like nobody, and I'm like, Looking at the, nobody bats an eye, nobody laughs. Everyone's just looking at him. So I'm like, we just go with it. I get in the car afterwards, my wife is just laughing. She's like, what did you just say up there? I totally missed it. Okay, so maybe you're here and you're like me. Hopefully there's at least one of you. They're like, I can see why you would think that, okay? So uh, I'm gonna throw up a picture here of a horse uh, and explain actually, for the, like, so this is like last time was false teaching. Hopefully I can teach what's true this time. Okay, so. No peanut butter brittle anywhere, okay? Um, and so on the horse's head is what's called a bridle, okay? So that encompasses his whole head. And then right here in the horse's mouth is this metal bar called a bit, okay? Not edible, metal, just stays there in his mouth, okay? Boom, that's what a bit is. Yes, truth, okay. Hopefully I won't be judged for the last time I taught that with greater strictness. Um, and so what James is saying is huge horses are controlled by this little metal bar, right? So uh, a, a rider would be riding a horse and I hope I don't get anything else wrong. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move past this visual real quick. So a rider would like, kind of use the reins to uh, pull and get the horse to do what it wants it to do by using the bit in its mouth. All right, so I'm gonna not move anywhere past that. That's just the truth there, okay? Little bit, big horse, controlled with the bit. Let's move on to the next visual. Praise God, here we go. Verse four. <laughs> 
Look at the ships also. They are not so large, uh, are they not so large and are driven by strong winds. They're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pirate directs. So same idea with ships here, okay? So I'm gonna show a picture here of the USS Eisenhower. A few facts, really interesting uh, that goes along with this passage about the USS Eisenhower. It weighs over 91,000 tons. It is nearly 1,100 feet in length. It has a nuclear powered 280,000 horsepower engine. It has a capacity, it can hold up to a capacity of 6,100 people and carries nearly 100 aircrafts or airplanes, right? So this is like a floating city, right? Huge. And yet it's guided by a rudder that, let me get this right, that is, um, that's just a 10th of 1% of the ship's size. A 10th of 1% of the ship's size. So really small rudder that the pilot can put his hands around directs this whole ship. And what James is saying is the tongue or our words are a lot like a bit and it's a lot like a rudder. It's small and seemingly insignificant, but it does significant things. That's why he says in verse five, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Words, one poet says, create worlds. Like think about right now, there's a war going on in Israel and Gaza, I'm sure you're all aware of. Like massive tragedy happening right now as we speak. And all of that massive tragedy and all of those casualties, you know where that all comes from? Words. There were people that got together and talked and conversed and planned the first initial attacks. There were people that said, those people are not worth living. We need to do something about this. They spoke words, made plans, collected each other. It spread. And now we have war. And not just war, but think about your life. Think about a time in your life where you felt less than where someone made you feel less than. That memory has words attached to it. Proverbs 18, 21, listen to this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Your tongue can either bring life or death or it can, like a sword, it can thrust and hurt and wound or it can bring healing. James doesn't just say that your words are significant, but he's gonna move on and say they're not just significant, but they can also be wildly destructive. Look with me at... um, the next verse at the end of, um, sorry, end of verse five. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire and the tongue uh, a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, our body parts, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. So he's given this picture. It's not just like significant. It's not just big, but like to give you a picture here, 
have a lighter, right? So he's saying like your words, your tongue is like this little light. And it like seems small, seems insignificant. Like I turn it on, like no one in the room is like, <gasps> like no one's freaking out. Like it's a small contained uh, fire. Doesn't really mean much. We could put a candle in the back of the room. It actually would make the room pleasant. Like our words could be pleasant and insignificant, but make a little bit of difference. But this small fire literally can create this. You read the news about some of the major wildfires that have destroyed 45,000 acres of forests and killed hundreds of people and hundreds of homes. Go back to one small accident of a fire getting out of hand. I was a student pastor before coming here for, for eight years. And if there's one thing that I know as a pastor is that this, this phrase is so true, hurt people, hurt people. We would have students that would just all the time speak hurtful and destructive things. I feel like they always have to demean people, dehumanize people, like hurt people, just like outright hurtful. But every single time I learned along the way that my, my, like my mind would go to like, okay, let's correct the, the words and the bullying. My mind learned to, as I, as I came alongside students like this, oh, there must be a story here. And every single time, every single time, that child, that student was hurt by someone, abused. Someone spoke death into their life. Someone put a small fire into their life and that fire spread like a forest fire and hurt other people who then hurt other people how about you? Maybe some of you in this room, you are deeply wounded and deeply hurt and you struggle with living out of that wound yourself. James is saying, our words are not just significant, they are destructive, they spread, they're contagious. They don't just terminate upon themselves. He's gonna keep going and how destructive the tongue is. Verse seven, for every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Whew, he just like keeps going in. No human being can tame the tongue. He's gonna take away all hope within ourselves. Why? Because the tongue is full of deadly poison, a restless evil. Now he's using what's called um, hyperbole, right? It's extreme language to convey extreme point. What he's saying here is that our tongues can do massive damage. It can spread evil. It can kill like poison kills. Now I want to just a brief moment ask like when, I, when I'm like studying God's word, I'm gonna write a question next to this phrase and say like, okay, how in God's word is the tongue like a restless evil or full of deadly poison? And so I just gathered up a few kinds of words that flesh themselves out as a deadly poison. And, and listen to these, these kinds of words um, that we all struggle with. So here's the first kind of word that's a deadly poison or uh, full of uh, restless evil. One is gossip or slanderous words. 
gossip and slanderous words. Gossip is to unnecessarily use someone else's reputation to help your own behind their back. A couple of quotes to help you further understand what gossip is. Gossip involves saying behind a person's back what you would never say to their face. Yo, did you hear about Caesar? No, let me tell you about it. Oh wait, Caesar's coming, let's stop. It's saying what you would never say to their face. John Piper says, it's derogatory information about someone that you have uh, that has shared with others in a tone of confidentiality that is not motivated by doing good to them and that you are enjoying in a way that shows your heart is not humble. It's using someone else's reputation for your own good to give yourself a sense of thrill. as like, guess what I know about this person? It's you stepping up on someone else's reputation so you can elevate yourself. Gossip, slander. Second are destructive words, destructive words. Words that we use to tear someone down rather than build them up. Ephesians 5, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Paul in Ephesians is saying, let what only comes out of your mouth, build people up, encourage them, motivate them, give them courage to keep going, give them endurance rather than hurtful and destructive words that slow them down. Words like, man, you're an idiot. Man, you always mess up. Man, what are you? You're worthless. Destructive words that tear down and don't build up. Third kind of word, and this one gets me so good, so bad, but like in a good way, you know what I'm saying? Okay, third word is sarcastic words. Sarcastic words. Listen to Proverbs 26, 18 through 19. This one gonna get y'all. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. Sarcasm is a tough one because it, it feels fun and fluffy. It's like just something that we get to enjoy with one another. We, we laugh about it. But though you may have good intentions with someone in front of you, someone watching may have bad interpretations. And what happens is, is when you continually be sarcastic, like I struggle with this guys, I'm like, I'm talking in the mirror. When you are continually sarcastic, when you continually have to say, I'm only joking, people struggle to trust you because they don't know if what you're saying out of your mouth is the truth. They're expecting you, oh, he's the joker. So anything that comes out of him is like, oh, I think this is a joke every time. You're not dependable. You're not reliable. You're not trustworthy because you're a joker. You're sarcastic. And that's a tough one and that we all need grace for, especially in our culture where sarcasm is so common. Number four, lying and untruthful words. Ephesians 5, 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Lying words, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? I would even say exaggerating words. (laughs) 
words that we use to puff ourselves up in other people's eyes. Lying words. Number five, complaining words. I wish my sons were here, but they're not. Complaining words. Philippians 2, 14 through 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, this kind of, let me like just differentiate here. The Bible does invite us to a kind of complaining and it's called lament. It's like, for instance, like I complain to God about the war going on right now. God, I, I hate that this is happening. God, I hate that people who are made in your image are dying. I'm complaining about the war. It's called lament. God invites us to lament. But there's a kind of complaining that God doesn't invite us into. It's a kind of complaining that steals gratitude. God, why don't I look like that person? Why don't I have what they have? Why do I have to go through this? It steals gratitude and joy for who God is and what he's done in your life. It's a kind of complaining that's a thief in our hearts. But here's what I wanna talk about real, real quick. Cause he's gonna talk about this word. He's gonna say like, out of your mouth come blessing and cursing. So what about curse words? What about the S word and the F word? Like, what about those kind of words, Kevin? Like, shouldn't those be in the lists? Like, he's gonna talk about blessing comes out of your mouth and cursing. So I wanna answer this question. What does James mean by cursing? And, and what should we think about curse words, All right? This is like leaning, this is, this is fun part of the discussion, okay? Um, so what about curse words? The cursing in, in James' word is the word katara, okay? It literally means to wish evil upon someone with a demeaning heart. I wish you would die. Or I hope something bad happens to you, whatever that may be. One time I got so mad at my dad when I was like a teenager, I was like, man, I hope you fall down the stairs. My dad literally almost fought me. Like, and so that, that's, that's cursing someone. I'm wishing evil. I'm pronouncing evil upon someone with a heart filled with hatred. That's what cursing is in scripture. So now you might be like, well, that's not what the S word is. Like if I say I need to go like take, S, like that's not the same as like saying I'm cursing someone. So what makes that a bad word? And here's what I would, here's how I would respond to that and that to add the discussion. And maybe we could talk more about this afterwards. And here's a couple of scriptures that I would have us consider and think about. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up. So that's one passage. Second, it's the first time reading this one, Ephesians 5, 4, let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So here's how, here's how I would think, is we should only use words that glorify Jesus, that make much of Jesus, that protect our witness, that set us apart, that we don't talk like the world. And this, so that this is different though per culture. So we have words in our culture that are inappropriate. And there are words in other cultures that if like they came here, they might use them and be like, oh, I didn't know that. So for instance, like as an example, I'm not gonna use our words, but for instance, bloody. Like I might say like Jesus died on a bloody cross here. We would all be like, amen, yes, he did. But if I went to England and if I said, Jesus died on a bloody cross, they all would be like, <gasps> like, right? That would be like an inappropriate word in their culture. There are words like in uh, Spanish cultures. Like I was playing a Christian rap song with my friend, uh, Carlos, wherever Carlos is, somewhere in the room, right there. I was playing and he was like, oh snap, he just used a curse word. I was like, dang, he did, he's a Christian though. And, uh, but he was like, but in their country, it's not a curse word. 
Okay, so there's cultureness here. So we are mindful of what's inappropriate, what's filthy, what's crude in our culture. And I'm gonna speak in such a way that sets me apart, that makes much of Jesus. So if I'm on the volleyball court or if I'm out and I'm like, man, S and F and whatever, like, are people going to see me as a faithful witness for the gospel? And I would say most people consider those to be inappropriate words. Some, some don't, some it's just normal language. Probably a lot of people in like New York and stuff like that. But I would say, I would say, I would say though, like for real though, but I would say, I, I'm just going to, for the sake of the gospel, sacrifice those words altogether because the gospel's worth it, because the name of Jesus is worth it. I'm gonna say like, I'm gonna like just speak these words because I feel like, and all my friends do. I'm gonna say, man, this is an easy thing to lay down because Jesus is so worth it to me. And if I'm gonna fight for these few words because I wanna fit in, then I need to search my heart and why that is. The question becomes, are you willing to speak in such a way that protects your witness? That's what the Bible invites us into. If you have more thoughts, conflicting thoughts, would love to talk to you uh, about that afterwards. But full of deadly poison, right? So that's hyperbole. And he's, he's gonna talk about more about what he means by that in uh, verse nine. Look with me at verse nine. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So someone might say like full of deadly poison, restless evil. Like, man, I don't know, Kevin. Like I was at Young Adults tonight, bro. And I was singing great as the Lord. I don't have a tongue that's a restless evil and full of deadly poison. I spoke a lot of good words tonight. And what James is saying is in hyperbole and he's defining himself is it isn't just that you speak evil all the time, it's that you speak inconsistently. He's saying it's, it's evil and poisonous to speak inconsistently. Look what he says. With it, we bless our Lord and Father and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brethren, my fam, these things ought not to be so. This is for all of us. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond produce um, or pond yield fresh water. He's saying it's inconsistent to say like, God, I love you. You're so good. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for calling me child. Thank you for calling me loved. And then to go to somewhere else and to speak evil upon someone or to call someone a demeaning and dehumanizing word, to gossip about someone, to lie to someone. God, I'm so grateful that you're a God of truth. And then leave here and speak lies. James is saying that this is evil and poisonous. This ought not to be so. Our words should be consistent. We should, as, as Paul says, walk in a manner, walk in a manner worthy and consistent with the gospel. The gospel is that God speaks life and love over us. That's what we just sang. And for us to be consistent with the gospel is to go and speak life and love out to a world that so desperately needs it. That we are consistent. But this passage, as I just finished at verse 12, like when I, when I finished studying this passage, I was like, yo, but God, there's like no hope in this passage. Like verse eight says, no human can tame the tongue. He's basically, you can't control it. So then why would you say this ought not to be so? Now he's gonna unpack 
So come back next time because in verse 13 through 18, he's gonna basically say, hope isn't from within, it comes from above. You can't tame the tongue, but someone else can. See, we find in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, story after story of human beings in front of something they can't tame. So we find humans in front of a storm that they can't stop themselves. They're, they're, they're freaking out and fearful. They find themselves in front of a disease that no doctor can heal. They go to doctor after doctor, no one can heal. They find themselves in front of a demon-possessed person and they can't get the demon to leave. They come in front of death and all they can do is grieve and there's nothing they can do about it. They are, front, they are in front of untamable circumstances. But what I love about the gospels and the whole point of all the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is to enter this man from Nazareth, this God man who walks up to the very same circumstances, the very same untamable things to us human beings. And he looks at a storm and says, peace, be still. And it's tamed. He looks at a disease and he says, get up, take up your mat and walk. People walk. Eyes are unblinded. Fevers go away. He walks up to a demon-possessed person and he says, be gone. The demons flee. He walks up to death and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And a man that was dead for days walks forth. Jesus comes to the untamable things in our lives and he tames them with the power of his word. And what he does is the Bible says that Jesus is the word of God, that he is the communication from God. John chapter one says that Jesus is the word and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. He is the communication, the revelation from God. And that word, Jesus, made flesh to dwell among us, goes to a cross to bear the punishment for our careless words and our evil deeds. And upon the cross, he takes the punishment you and I deserve. And from that cross, says words over those who trust in him. It is finished. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He speaks a careful word over a careless people. And in him, we find grace, rest, and forgiveness. And then the Bible doesn't stop there, but it goes on to talk about putting off the deeds of the flesh. Listen to Colossians uh, verse five and eight. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And look at the kinds of words, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then he's gonna talk about how in Colossians three, verse 16. How do we do it? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the how. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. You wanna be a teacher? You wanna explain the word to one another? And this is a calling for all of us in a sense. Like the great commission, go and teach all the disciples, like right, all that I've commanded you. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word, and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So to, to picture this in kind of closing, I have a coffee maker here. Um, how many of you guys see one of these every day? 
some kind of coffee maker. Cool, cool. So a lot of you are very familiar with how a coffee maker works, okay? So basically Colossians 3 is inviting you to, with your life, be like a coffee maker, okay? So every day what you do is you have up in here, so this one's a little unique and new to me, so I'm gonna take up the top. All right, so what you have in here, it's a little bit wet, but you have this basket here, and basically what you put in here is gonna come out here and you're gonna pour and enjoy. So, right, what you put into here matters for what you're gonna enjoy in here, right? So none of you who use coffee put anything but coffee in here. You put your favorite coffee, right? Which hopefully is not Folgers or Maxwell. It's something like Oxum or something like that, or Foxtail, something like really good that's gonna be tasty, right? But you're not gonna put Folgers. You're not gonna put dirt in here, right? You don't put any dirt in there because you know it's gonna totally mess up what comes out here. So what comes out here depends on what you put in the basket. And what, what Paul is saying in Colossians 3, it isn't so much about what comes out of you as much as what you put into you. So it isn't just about, hey, stop lying, stop being slanderous, stop gossiping, stop doing these things. First and foremost, it's what are you putting into your heart? What are you listening to? What are you watching? Who's speaking into your life? What influences are speaking into your life? Because what you put into your mind is gonna fall into your heart and what falls into your heart is gonna come out of your mouth. Luke chapter 12, Jesus says, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. What are you putting into your heart? What are you putting in your heart? Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, one application thing that I just wanna invite you to do on a regular basis, okay? So there are three questions that you can ask yourself to filter your words that come out of your mouth, right? You may have heard this before, but is it true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Usually if you tick these boxes, something good will come out of your mouth. But you're not going to every single word you say, ask myself, okay, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Okay, then I can say it. You're not, you're not gonna do that. It's not realistic. So here's what I would invite you to do. In the morning, part of your prayer life is just to pray these three questions. God, help me in all that I say and do today by your spirit, be true, be necessary, and be kind. Ask the spirit of God to help you abide in him for apart from him, you can do nothing. And then when you come to the end of your day, right? And with that prayer, you're putting the word of Christ in you, right? You're not just trusting in the prayer, but you're actually doing the work of hiding his word in you. And at the end of the day, sometime in the evening, ask the Lord, ask the spirit of God, search me. God, today, is there anything that I said that was untrue? Is there anything today that I said that was unnecessary? Is there anything that I said today that was unkind? and then to confess that before the Lord. And here's the good news. As those who are filled with the spirit of God, we get to speak life and love and freedom. And we get to speak that, we get to speak words even over, over the evil words that come out of our mouths. So we can, when we recognize, God, I said something untrue today or unkind or unnecessary, we can go back and speak life over those words. We can go back to those people and said, hey, today, man, God convicted me. I said something that was untrue to you and I'm sorry. 
I thought too much about what I think about myself and I lied to you so that you would think highly of me. Hey, I said something really unkind to you. I was just really, uh, my heart was filled with anger and I was impatient. I'm sorry, I said something that I should not have said to you. You're really this and that and, and God loves you and say something really kind to them. Every day, God help me. God, where did I fall? And give me the grace to step into what you have for me. Your words matter, all of them. And may they reflect our Father in heaven and all that we do and say. Let's pray. Father, I remember, as you do, having a conversation with a friend in the car a few years ago who wouldn't stop using obscene language. And I remember him telling me, I can't help it. My dad talks like it all the time. I just, I can't help but talk like my dad. And God, there's so much truth in what he said in a way. Father, we pray that for us, that you, our heavenly dad, that your word that you have revealed to us would be the words that we speak. That in our lives, we would with Jared say, I can't help but talk like my dad. His word is what is spoken over me and it's what comes out of me. God, we long to be such children who listen to you, who have your words spoken over us and into our hearts and out of our mouths into a world that so desperately needs them. God, we are your children, your image bearers. God, may we reflect your heart and what we do and what we say. And God, where we have fallen, where we have failed, God, we pray for grace and for mercy and for forgiveness. God, thank you for the it is finished of the cross. That we are not saved by our words, but that we're saved by the word that became flesh and dwelt among us and laid his life down for us and rose again from the dead and gave our hearts resurrection power so that we can speak life. Thank you, God, for the gospel. That doesn't just save us, but changes us. You're so good, God. Teach us to talk like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use this message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.